Welcome to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano from Feliciano Financial Group. In this podcast, brothers and certified financial planner professionals, Jose and Jeff, explain that money is just a tool to achieve the things you want in life, a tool to make the decision to live life on purpose. They draw from years of experience to demonstrate that when your money aligns with your goals, you can live a purposeful life. Because when your vision is clear, your decision is easy. Hello and welcome to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. Jeff, how are you today? Hey, life is good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Jose, how are you? Unbelievable. Worked out this morning, so I'm in good shape. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, here's the deal. It is uh, It is after April. Now, there's a couple things in April. First of all, my birthday. It was fantastic. Thanks for asking. Secondly, <laughs> taxes. Everybody knows. What, what was that? I said the master's. It's the, oh, the master's. Oh, yeah. See, it's, look at all these things in April. Um, and then April showers, May flowers, and all that thing, you know, whatever that old saying is. But here's what we're focusing on is, is the taxes. And today you guys said you're going to be really focusing on the shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? That, that we all have those, maybe some regrets. Um, I should have done something different. I could have done something different. A lot of us don't know what we could have done differently um, that would have helped us out. And so you guys are going to cover those things today, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, I know that you've got four areas that you really want to focus on. And the first one is IRAs, Roths, and HSA. So tell us the story. What's going on there? Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of times what we do is we get uh, our 1099s, our W-2s. Um, we get our tax returns at the end of the year. We, you know, at some point we get it all organized and we take it over the CPA and we hand it to them and uh, they call us back in a week and say, all right, your tax return's ready and you owe X amount of dollars or you're getting a refund X amount of dollars. And, you know, there's times there's some engagement and some back and forth. There's times that, you know, there's not. Uh, but there's nothing worse than seeing situations that we look at and we go, man, if you would have done this or, mm. man, if you would have done that or uh, that's just important, um, you know, in the big scheme of things because, you know, part of creating wealth is reducing taxes and any good financial plan isn't just, hey, here's your investments, good luck, but all right, how do we create the right structure? How do we create the right vehicles? How do we create the right investments within those structures uh, in order to, you know, have money grow a little bit more efficient or just be a little bit more tidy and efficient with what we're doing? Uh, so, you know, there's four big areas that Jose and I was talking about the other day at dinner. Uh, we just thought that, Hey, here's the things we see all the time that if things, if people just take these into consideration, man, it would, it would help a ton of people. So that's, uh, kind of how we got here. Okay. All right. And I would just say, just to add, there is a difference between tax planning and tax preparation. And, uh, you know, Jeff just described the tax preparation part, but you do need to call time out and do tax planning for what going forward for sure got it all right yeah so the first one we see is uh it's, it's pretty easy i mean you know there's uh, before april 15th uh, we all have the option uh to participate um if we want to as long as we have earned income in iras and roth iras uh, those iras stand for individual retirement plans and, um, you know, we can put up to 6000 a year if we're under 50. We can put 7000 a year if we're over 50. Um, and depending on uh, how much income we make, uh, you know, we decide are we going to do the traditional or the Roth. The traditionals are pretty good. They help you with taxes now. Whatever you put in, you get to deduct it on your taxes, use it as a write-off. 
Um, that money grows tax deferred uh, later on in life when you hit retirement after 59 and a half at some point and you want to take income, then you're able to defer all those taxes for all those years into a later date. Um, the Roths are really the opposite. Uh, you're able to uh, put money in. You don't get a tax deduction now, but you just created a vehicle that uh, money grows tax deferred and later on down the road, as long as you hold it for five years or 59 and a half, then all those gains grow tax deferred and you're able to pull money out completely tax free. Uh, so anytime you have a chance to contribute, uh, especially to the Roth, uh, there's really no reason not to. Um, there is phase outs uh, that's important. Uh, most people, if you're married filing joint, if you make uh, 204000 to 214000 on your modified adjusted gross income, uh, if you're under that, then you can participate in a Roth, even if you participate in a 401k at work. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, so very, very important to take advantage of, especially those Roths um, uh, in that regard. And just to add just a quick story to that is you either pay tax on the seed or the harvest. And uh, when he talks about 401ks and IRAs, you're not paying tax on the seed, but you do have to pay tax on the harvest in inverse on the Roth IRA. Go ahead and pay tax on the seed and you don't have to pay tax on the harvest. Got it. Yeah. Hey, one more thing. Um, you know, I, I get asked a lot of times uh, for the high income earners, uh, people that do work, they participate in 401ks and company retirement plans, but uh, they make too much money to put into a Roth. So uh, some of you may have heard for the audience, uh, there's what's called backdoor Roths. And basically all that is, is you can participate in a 401k. Um, you can still contribute to an IRA, uh, but you may not be able to deduct it if you make too much money. Or if you make too much money, you can't participate in the Roth. So what you do is you can still participate in one, make the contribution. You just don't get a, or you're just not able to deduct it. But you can immediately convert it to a Roth because there's no income rules on that. So that's how you backdoor the Roth. You make a non-deductible contribution to an IRA, personally, and then you immediately convert it to a Roth. So that's how you get around the income limits. All right. So let's talk about the next thing on your list, capital gain surprises. Nobody likes surprises. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a great year for it, um, <laughs> uh, really for the discussion. I mean, I couldn't tell you. You had a year like 2021 where at one point the markets were up 10 15%. And depending on how people were allocated, they may have had mutual funds that are, were up in the you know, 10 15 20% range. And you, know, you get down to the end of the year – um, and especially when you're, um, you've got money sitting in mutual funds. Uh, so mutual funds for the audience, obviously, is, is you've got a pool of money, uh, and you have a professional money manager like uh, Fidelity, Vanguard, T. Rowe Price. Um, there's a bunch of them. But what they do is they take that money, and instead of investing in just one stock, uh, they're buying and selling stocks, bonds, uh, whatever inside that mutual fund. Uh, but where it's critically important and where people got big tax surprises this year is, uh, you know, they've got a bunch of money uh, sitting outside of retirement plans, sitting outside of IRAs, sitting outside of Roths, uh, sitting outside of annuities, sitting outside of, 
you know, certain things that those money managers are consistently buying and selling stocks. So when November, December rolled around, most people get busy. They don't think about it. So what happens is if, 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 if there's some losses in accounts or accounts are up, uh, those money managers sell those funds inside or sell those stocks inside those mutual funds. And then even though they're dividend reinvested, those are realized gains. So people got 1099s at the end of the year for ten, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 worth of gains. Ouch. They didn't use the money, but they still had to pay taxes on that. Mm. You know, so we see that quite a bit. And there's these big, big surprises. Uh, also, people that may have started investing in November or December, you know, the, the markets were negative. Uh, so it was un, not uncommon for people to make these investments in mutual funds. Uh, the month of November, December, those accounts were negative. They didn't sell those funds in order to take advantage of the wash rules. So here they are losing money. But then as those money managers and the mutual funds sold those stocks at gains, it didn't matter the holding time of the individual investor because they all have to distribute to the shareholders. So then you have years like, you know, last year where people, you know, may have made money and had to pay gains or people that actually lost money because they invested in November and December. So their funds were down, but they still had to pay taxes because of the inherited gains inside of those. Ouch. That, that sounds painful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, some little, little advice is a couple of things. Uh, one, make it a practice that every November, December, that uh, you take a look at all of your investments that are not in retirement plans because those are taxable. Uh, take a look at what's up. Take a look at what's down. Uh, maybe you can uh, sell some things that are down to help wash out some things that are up. Uh, the wash rules uh, is is basically a rule to where if I've got something that's down, I just can't buy that same ticker symbol, that same specific investment for 30 days if I'm going to utilize it as a loss uh, for taxes. But it doesn't pertain to asset classes. So if I've got a Vanguard S&P 500, um, I can sell it. I can buy a Fidelity S&P 500. It's basically the same construction of what funds that I have and I can recognize a loss in one uh, and still not get out of my position or get out of the market. Uh, so, you know, good practice would be every November, December, you know, do take a look at all the investments, what's not in retirement plans, what are gains, what are losses. Uh, sometimes they may flow through first, second, third week of December, but make sure you're paying attention to it so there's no surprises. Uh, and then you're taking advantage of things that are up, things that are down. The second thing is make sure that you're, you pay attention to what kind of investments you're investing in that are outside of retirement plans. So, you know, mutual funds that have a lot of turnover, a lot of buying and selling and active management, uh, those are going to be more tax liabilities and a little out of your control. Uh, if you can construct portfolios that are a little heavier in index funds, ETFs, individual positions, uh, especially outside of retirement plans, uh, then you're in a little bit more control of taxes uh, because you're in control of what you're buying uh, when you sell. So anything less than a year is ordinary income tax at a much higher tax bracket. Anything you hold longer than a year uh, is long-term capital gains, which for some people can be pretty substantial. Uh, so just kind of paying attention to those two things, um, doing your reviews on your investment portfolios, 
November, December, and uh, revisiting what type of investments you're using outside of retirement plans will go a long, long way and prevent some of those big surprises that some people got for this for this year. Gotcha. All right. Uh, number three on your list is income and distributions. Uh, number three is, uh, you know, income. Um, you know, we see a lot of situations that, you know, a client will come in and say, hey, I've got a million dollars or I've got X amount of dollars and, hey, I need to generate uh, to pay bills and be comfortable 60000 a year, 80000 a year, 100000 thousand a year, whatever it is. Um, and I think equally as important is we have to think through. Uh, we know what the tax brackets are, right? So when you look at a married filing joint, uh, we can make all the way up to um, uh, basically $83,000 a year, and we're only in a 12% bracket. Uh, we can make up to 178000 a year, and we're only in a 22% tax bracket on the difference between 83 and 178. And then anything above 178 to 340,000, we're in a 24% bracket. The reason why I bring that up is because not all accounts are treated equally. You know, so if you can give a little bit of thought to, all right, here's how much income I need for next year. Um, and I've got all these accounts. I've got IRAs, I've got Roths, I've got Social Security, I've got a pension plan, I've got some CDs that kick out dividends and interest. Uh, whatever the case may be, it's very, very important to think that through. Uh, you can do it in December, you can do it January, February, but you've got to think that through and say, all right, here's how much income I need uh, for the year. Here's uh, what big expenses I have for the year. All right, now where, what is my liquidation order? What is my distribution strategy? What are the areas that I cannot avoid paying taxes on? How do I go ahead and use that since I got to pay taxes anyways? Um, and then just pay attention to what order, because that's kind of what you're trying to do. You're just trying to create the amount of income that's needed in the least tax bracket and benefit as possible, uh, or liability as possible. And without serious thought, we see people make mistakes all the time. We see them leave, you know, money, investments outside of retirement plans that are that are making ten, twelve, twenty thousand dollars a year in interest and dividends, they're reinvesting those, and then they're taking all their money from their IRAs and qualified plans and paying ordinary income tax on all of it. So I think you can save thousands of dollars if you just pay attention to, all right, what are the tax brackets? What income do I need? What order do I take these this income in? And then what adjustments can I make in order to not throw myself into the next highest tax bracket? We see it all the time. Yeah, and I, I would add on that liquidation order, you know, the common uh, process usually is cash and then taxable uh, items and your tax-deferred assets, qualified annuities, your Roth accounts, uh, including your annuities, Roth 401ks or IRAs, and then qualified assets where penalty taxes apply, so you have to look out for that. And then you've got your health savings accounts and and your guaranteed annuities, and then kind of in that process and order. But where do you grab pots of money? Everybody's different in their different situations. But I just want to emphasize what Jeff said. You know, the liquidation order is very important, especially when it, when you're in retirement years, to make sure you're not having to pay a dollar more than you need to. That makes sense to me. I, I mean, I don't know anybody that does want to pay a dollar more <laughs> than they need yeah, to. Yeah. Um, and now this this next one is is really really interesting to me because. 
Um, I'm sure that there are a lot of small business owners, especially maybe in your first or second or maybe even your third year of business where it can be overwhelming. Tax time can be overwhelming altogether. So you, you say small business owners and their tax deductions are, are a big issue and, and people have regrets about that. How so? Yeah, let me give you a, a, a real uh, scenario that we just had uh, just this week. We're getting together Tuesday to uh, help them uh, make some changes for next year. Uh, we've got a, a new client uh, referred to us. They live in Amarillo. Um, uh, he's a physician. Uh, wife works in the office as well. Uh, but uh, the structure of their company is um, uh, he's subcontracted. So he makes great money, um, and it's just him and his wife. And uh, they have a retirement plan. Uh, it's an old simple plan uh, that they're very limited on. She's not taking any income, even though she works and helps. And uh, he's limited to twelve, thirteen thousand a year, um, for fourteen thousand a year, based on his simple contributions. Um, so when we got to talking, it's a new client. So we're going through the process and finding out, hey, what's your situation look like? What are we saving for? What are we trying to accomplish? Um, and then when we start digging into structure and, um, uh, and what could be done, uh, here we are, we're in 2022, you know, he's had the same structure for the last five years, uh, makes 600 and something thousand dollars a year. So in our discussion, uh, you know, it just didn't realize what can or can't be done. So you have to revisit these things. So in a simple plan structure, um, you know, he can put 14,000 a year. And simple plan means simple IRA uh, that he has for himself since he's self-employed. And the fact that he's over 50, he can put 17000 uh, That's an extra 3000 with a catch-up. And then he can pay from the company himself into that retirement plan 3% of, of, of his income. Uh, so we're, we looked at uh, making a couple of changes. Uh, we could implement a SEP. That's called a self-employed pension uh, where he can put in 25% of what he makes up to 61,000 a year. So if you do the math on that, that's an extra 40 something thousand dollars that he can put in uh, and in his tax bracket, that's a big number as far as savings of taxes. Uh, but the fact that it's not just him, it's him and his wife, uh, they don't have any other employees. So, you know, most people think unless you have a big company, you can't do a 401k. So what we're looking at doing is we're going to implement what's called a 401k, a solo 401k uh, for him. Uh, we're going to uh, make sure his wife is compensated for the activity and, and, and what she does. Uh, but let's walk through the math. Uh, if you think about a 401k, there's two parts to it. Uh, from an employee deferral, uh, you can put, as an employee, you can put up to $27,000 a year and deduct it 100% on taxes. Plus, you add that profit-sharing component, uh, which the business can match 25% of uh, what you make uh, as far as a contribution from the business on your behalf. So we just took his deductibility from fourteen, seventeen thousand a year to twenty-seven thousand plus twenty-five percent of he makes, all the way up to sixty-one thousand dollars that he can put into his company retirement plan. Wow. Big difference between the two. Yeah. And then we're looking, we're going to talk to the CPA to look and say, all right, what's a good reasonable compensation for the missus? And if we pay her $60,000 a year, then she can put $27,000 into a 401k, deduct it off of her taxes, plus 25% of what she makes. So if she makes 60000 that's an extra 15000 
If she makes eighty thousand, we can defer another twenty thousand dollars. So we got her deductibility to forty seven thousand, mm. his to sixty one thousand. So in order to save money on what's the what's those two together? Sixty one and forty seven is a hundred and eight thousand mm-hmm. that they can put into a retirement plan deducted off their taxes compared to what they were doing, which was only seventeen thousand. That's, I mean, that's a huge difference. And my, my point is, you know, the IRS, there's all kinds of different retirement plans that you can construct for yourself, for your business. And depending on how many employees you have, depending on what your income looks like, depending on what your age is, uh, you can't settle. You always have to ask what was good three or four years ago and appropriate doesn't mean it's today. And what is today doesn't mean next year. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep revisiting, not just taxes on a personal level, but through a business level and just keep reevaluating what are the laws, what are the limitations, uh, what are the restrictions, how many employees do we have? And, you know, keep analyzing what plan fits the moment. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, if we would have met this gentleman five years ago, things would have been drastically different. And uh, there's a lot of tax savings. There's a lot of things that could be done. Uh, but it just takes that, uh, those heavy conversations, the big picture conversations, and just a little bit of thought and proactiveness to make sure we got the right plan for the moment. And it takes the knowledge. I mean, you've you got to have somebody that understands this and, and brings it up to you like you guys did. Yeah, I mean, everybody's in different situations, and that's why we emphasize more and more, you know, get a second opinion uh, because there's things out there and tax laws change. And listen, there's a lot of tax planners. They're, they're busy and, and they're doing a great job of tax preparation. And, and and sometimes we're not asking the questions and we don't know the questions to ask. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, just understanding the big picture and understanding taxes and estate planning and insurance planning, investment planning, retirement planning, it is one big picture, but everybody's picture is different. So, uh, you know, it, just what Jeff just described, I mean, you you roll that out five years. That's a lot of retirement uh, savings that, that that one individual could have yeah. uh, taken advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I know that that's the end of your list necessarily, but um, any closing thoughts for today's podcast? Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple. I, I think that, um, you know, the tricky part is there's a lot of smart people, um, you know, and, and professionals that do a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people that you can go to to get investments done or taxes done or wills and trusts done or, you know, insurance done. But if I can encourage you to find uh, an organization or a CFP that that uh, can tie all those things together uh, for mm-hmm. the benefit of you or uh, people that you care about, how important that is, because it's the, it's the conversations that needs to be had. It's the coordination of these professionals it's uh you know we have to have uh somebody that's looking at taxes and insurance and asset protection and the retirement planning and the investments uh it takes that coordinated effort of these people working together uh so that way these things can be addressed um on a proactive basis so if i encourage you to to think along those lines i think that's one and i think number two uh, from a tax standpoint, I think it's a heavy topic, uh, January, February of every year that you're thinking through, all right, what's the plan for the year? Mm-hmm. What big expenses do we have coming up? Uh, what's the income that I need? Where's it going to come from? Uh, what do I need to do before April 15th? Uh, kind of that discussion. And then if I can encourage you to have another one that's somewhere around October, November, December, 
because usually that's when all your benefit elections are available through work. It gives you enough time to implement things through the company or things before the end of the year. And it allows you enough time to really think through what kind of year the markets are having. And is there any adjustments that needs to be made in portfolios to, you know, either save money on taxes, uh, uh, not get surprised with these uh, capital gain issues, uh, and before the end of the year, before it's too late. Because there's nothing worse than, man, I shoulda, woulda, coulda. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I'm if I encourage you to do that, to be great. I'm going to throw one more that I just don't want it to be overlooked, and that's your health savings accounts. You know, they were all designed to be a, uh, to encourage people have a consumer-driven plan, meaning, uh, you know, you can deduct money in your health savings account and use that for all health issues, your deductible, long-term care, prescription drugs, those things. And if you can open up those accounts, all that, there's a limit to it, but you can, a lot of clients don't realize that they could take advantage of that. And I think that looking at that also as part of your overall plan and tax savings, we've got to consider health savings accounts. It's there for us, and a lot of people are not taking advantage of it. Yeah, Jose, that's a great reminder because, again, like you said, people just aren't taking advantage of it. They just don't know. And, and Jeff, to your point, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what questions to ask. Um, but the bottom line is it, what I'm hearing from you is you've got to be proactive. You've got to You've got to take that step because there are people out there that can help you. Uh, you two are one of them, or two of them, I guess uh, I should say. So how how does somebody get a hold of you so that they can start being proactive and, and getting some of these questions answered? You can contact us at 903-533-8585 or go to the website, felicianofinancial.com, F-E-L-I-C-I-A-N-O, financial.com. All right, guys. Thank you so much for your time today. I enjoyed, enjoyed it. Always. Good talking to you. All right. And our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Live Life on Purpose podcast with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And this makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Feliciano Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live life on purpose. Thank you for listening to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Feliciano Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Feliciano Financial Group does not provide tax advice, example provided for informational purposes only. Results will vary and are not guaranteed. Securities offered through Lion Street Financial, LLC, LSF, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Lion Street Advisors, LLC.